Look at this. Number, number, number of hands going up. Chris, you got, you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Spoken tongues for the first time, huh? How cool is that? Isn't that beautiful, you guys? Isn't that great? Can we thank God for that? Come on, that's just beautiful. I mean, I mean, to be going along in the Christian life and know that there's this other dimension that everybody talks about, but you're not experiencing it yourself, and then you get to step into it and, and experience it, it's, a, it's transforming. And that's what the Lord is all about, is a continual transformation of us being in our likeness to us be, becoming into His likeness, which is full of peace and power and grace and wisdom and strength and prosperity. There's some pretty remarkable things happening. Um, you know, the word of the Lord over this church this year is a, uh, a remarkable word, and that's the word of prosperity. And you think, how, how could that be when all of the natural circumstances and all of the voices of the world are saying just the opposite? And it is in the natural, just the opposite. Because God is God. And I believe clearly... That what the Lord is saying is that if my people will follow me, I will lead them through the valley of the shadow of death to a table that I will prepare for them in the presence of their enemies. That's not just monetary. That's soul peace. Mind peace. Direction, protection. Spiritual life and certainly uh, financial resources from our shepherd, who is the good shepherd. And uh, I want to get into that a little bit today, but um, I want to recap for those of you who weren't here last week um, and remind those of you who were here last week. Uh, I was sitting in my chair a week and a half ago meditating on you, on the church, on what the word of the Lord is for us. And I had this vision, which I know now was a vision. I thought it was my imagination. Uh, and I saw this waterfall coming down and there were people in the waterfall just receiving just this uh, incredible refreshing, just joy. And then there was a group of people that were standing in the water, but they were distant a few feet from the waterfall and they were not entering into it. And I knew that the waterfall was the blessings of the Lord, comprehensive blessings of the Lord. It's not just materialistic, but there certainly that'd be a portion of it. I have to keep saying that to the American church. And, um, which is the only church I get to talk to. So, and, uh, but then there were those over here that would not go into the waterfall because they were afraid of it. And so, um, and then, then I, I knew, uh, when you have a, um, uh, when the Lord has communicated something to you, He doesn't need to, need to say anything. He can just give you an impression and then you understand it all. And then you try to communicate it in our native tongue, and it's not the easiest thing to do. But I knew in that instance that what the Lord was saying is, I am your shepherd, you are my sheep, and if you will follow me, I will lead you into refreshing. So I'm coming to the church with that message. The Lord is our shepherd. We are his sheep. And he wants to lead us into refreshing. We, his sheep, feel beaten up. We feel anxiety and fear and worry and woe. People are being laid off, losing their jobs. Financial stress is creating stress in marriages and in families. And I could go through the litany. Many people just turn the news off because it's so depressing. And the Lord is saying, I can lead you beside still waters, green pastures, and right paths through this valley of the shadow of death. I also had another vision, I will call it now, that I understand that the Lord is communicating these things to us very clearly as I was driving down the road and I was um, thinking about a particular family in our church and I had a vision of Jesus as the shepherd and I knew what he was saying to me. If they would follow me as their shepherd, I can lead them into green pastures and still waters. Then I knew immediately it wasn't just for that family, it was for our church. And then over this last week, I've been hearing communication, reading newsletters from other ministries and things God's saying. And it's the same message I'm hearing. And I'm realizing this message is for the church at large. That right now, it is urgently critical for us to recognize that we are God's sheep. He is our shepherd. And we must follow His lead now. 
We must listen to the voice of our shepherd and do what he says and follow him. And so I'm coming to the service last week with this message, which I didn't get to preach, by the way, because when I came there in worship, um, I said to, to Heather last week, I emailed her and said, I really feel like the presence of the Lord is going to be strong this Sunday. So take extra time in worship. And so as we were worshiping, uh, another gal here in the church, Kirsten, who is who is uh, given to prophecy and visions, came up and said, I had a vision. I said, oh, what is that? And those of you here last week know what she said. I had a vision during worship of a waterfall. It doesn't take a rocket scientist at this point, does it? You can call it a coincidence, but you, 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 you won't be able to step into the things of the Lord if you keep sitting on the sidelines saying, well, that was a coincidence, that was a coincidence, that was a coincidence. And you never get to say, God, thank you for showing up. And then the Lord begins to reveal more to you because you come to him like a little child. Uh, not, not gullible, but innocent enough to recognize when the Lord is moving in our midst and go with it. And she said, I saw this waterfall and there were people in the waterfall and it was the blessings of the Lord. And behind the waterfall was this cave. And if you go into the waterfall in the cave, there's all these jewels and, and all these treasures. And it's the Lord. It's His blessings. And she said, but then there were some people standing over here a few feet from the waterfall and they would not enter in. Then somebody else came up and said, you know what? As she was sharing that, I know why those people wouldn't enter because they were afraid of the waterfall. And so there was a call for people to come down and receive an impartation. So this becomes an impartation, not a teaching, but an impartation of what the Holy Spirit, our shepherd, is doing right now in the service. And so you don't want to teach when it's happening. You want it to happen. Now, I know some of you might have a difficult time with the subjective and it's like, well, how do you receive? I mean, how does that happen? You mean, what do you mean there's a waterfall in the church right now and I'm supposed to receive? I don't understand that. Well, here, here's the reality. The Lord works in the subjective and the objective all at the same time. Jesus didn't just come and teach like the Pharisees. He also demonstrated the power of God. He said, Father, I have revealed to them your name. And it says that Jesus went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. Jesus said that when the Spirit of God comes, He will pour out His Spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and you shall have visions and dream dreams. You see, the Lord operates in the supernatural and in the natural all at the same time, and that it's our job to follow Him, interpret, discern what He's doing, and go with it. You see, uh, He is training us to follow His ways. He's not about to follow our ways. See, it's a kingdom culture. It's the culture of God, the supernatural, the subjective, the visions, the impartations, the, the, the feely stuff, the stuff you can't, your mind, it's beyond your mind. That's why the Bible says, he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks from his spirit directly to God and your mind is unfruitful. Now that really irritates us as scientific empirical Westerners where everything has to make sense to our minds and we can come to a place where our intellect becomes our our gate of acceptance or rejection of what's going on. But then there's the Lord. Then there's the Holy Spirit. Then there's God. And the Bible says that when you pray in the spirit, your mind is unfruitful. In other words, we are going beyond your mind. There's a dimension beyond your mind that is Actually, way deeper and much more powerful. It's not even the subconscious, which is still part of your mind. It's the spirit of the man that is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly, the Bible says. The Lord is a spirit, and we worship him in spirit and in truth. So you see, we have to have them coupled together. Amen? So today, the Lord, having come to us by his spirit last week, and these manifestations, visions, and impartations... Today, I want to come as your shepherd, under shepherd, small s, and I want to teach uh, the, the, the truth part, the objective part of what the Lord is saying to the church. And I want us to go to Psalm 23 because 
Last week, as I was, I was knowing the Lord wanted me to teach out of Psalm 23. And I knew that he was saying that he wanted to bring us to a place of refreshing. And I had this vision of this waterfall that was confirmed in the service. I, last week, when I left, I felt like, Lord, but I didn't get to the teaching part. And my message was, the Lord is my shepherd. We are his sheep. And I knew that the way into the waterfall was to learn how to follow Jesus as our shepherd, but I didn't get to teach that part. And I walk out of the service last Sunday, and my little girl, Lily, runs up to me and says, Daddy, look what we learned in Sunday school, and hands me her craft, which is a little sheet made out of cotton balls, and it says, The Lord is my shepherd, and I am his sheep. Now, again, you can say, well, that's a nice coincidence. Or you can recognize the Lord. Out of the thousands of subjects that I could be teaching on and the children's ministry could be teaching on, we are saying the exact same phrase and the exact same message. And then I ran into Kim Rohde, who is the children's minister out in the parking lot after church, and I told her what happened in the church service and about that little sheepy uh, crass. And she said, that wasn't even in the curriculum I felt like the Lord led me to do that, and I created that craft. It wasn't even in the manual. And so you see, the Lord really is communicating to us. Right now, saying, I am your shepherd. CNN, the political arena, Wall Street, they are not your shepherds. I am your shepherd. You are my sheep. Follow me right now, because you don't know how to make it through this terrain. But I do. And so let's read Psalm 23 together, coming at it from this perspective, that the Lord is speaking to us right now. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, lack anything. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. See how none of this is self-sufficiency. I'm going to read this and come back and teach on it. But please recognize, none of this is self-sufficiency. If we depend on the arm of the flesh, on our self-sufficiency, we will continually run into lack, dead ends, soul dissatisfaction. David has learned something about who his provider is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Nobody else does. I love what happened with Abraham after he defeated five kings with just his three household, 300 household servants in the Bible. There was a war and Abraham, the friend of God, defeats five kings and he has all their wealth. And then all the kings come together and said, keep our wealth, but give, give us our people back. And he said, I'm going to give you your people back and your wealth after I give God his 10%, which is way before the law and all that. Tithe is a spiritual worship concept. And he said, I'm going to give you all your money back too, because nobody, I will let nobody say they made me rich, but the Lord himself. Isn't that impressive? That's a lot of money to give back. And the next verse is, the Lord came to Abram in a vision and said, Abraham, I am your reward and your shield and your great your great protector. And then he gets the blessings of the Lord. David recognized that the Lord is his provider. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I just read a book this week by an actual shepherd. He was a shepherd in East Africa for many years. And I read his book, On the 23rd Psalm. And David was a shepherd. The man who wrote this psalm. And coming from a shepherd's perspective. He was able to understand the depths. The perceptions. The benefits. Of a shepherd. And Jesus being our shepherd. Like those of us who are not shepherds ever could. I'm going to attempt to help unpack it a little bit today. So we can understand how incredibly awesome it is. To have the Lord as our shepherd. See, that's the first phrase we see in this passage is, The Lord is my shepherd. Now, the way he says that is as though he's talking to this other group of sheep that are in another pasture next to his. 
that are not doing so well because their shepherd is not a good shepherd. And in fact, Philip Keller, the author of this book, says when he got his first uh, ranch, he said he had taken this ranch and the ground was just depleted. Sheep are, 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 are uh, found mainly in, um, in a semi-dry climates. And so the shepherd spends a lot of time cultivating the, the land, uh, irrigating it, getting all the, all the, the weeds and all the crabgrass and all the parasites and everything up and out of the land has to cultivate it to make it a lush, green environment. It, it takes a lot of labor to prepare the pasture for your sheep to be able to graze. It does not come naturally. It's all up to the shepherd's care and management of the land. And he said he had to go through all this effort. And then he looks next door to him on the ranch next to him. And the shepherd has done nothing to the land. It's just dirt. It's dry. There's the, the sheep are just emaciated. And he said the sheep of his neighbor's ranch would look through the fence at his nice green grass all the time, trying to find ways around to get to it, man. They were just starving. And so when you read this psalm, it's like David is saying to those who don't follow the Lord, who don't know the Lord, who the Lord is not their shepherd, he's saying, the Lord is my shepherd. That's why I don't lack anything. Can you say that today? That's really the question. And if you can say, oh, yes, the Lord is my shepherd, because I raised my hand once in a church service and said, Shonda, Shonda. That would be if you got baptized in the Holy Spirit, too. And yet we walk out of church and we go off on our own ways and go out of the pasture, don't listen to the shepherd and go off to do our own ways and our own thoughts and our own philosophies, getting all of our word from liberal television and 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 uh, uh, liberal newspapers and all the uh, liberal education from the school system. And we just get inundated with the shepherds of this world and we follow their leadings and their value system. And we wonder why we are starving and emaciated spiritually, having havoc in our homes. No soul satisfaction. And we wonder why when, quote, the Lord is our shepherd. Is he really? And so it is critical that we come back to a place of following Jesus as our shepherd and recognizing that he is the one that knows the best pastures. You go down through this psalm, it is just amazing at each specific point and the management responsibilities of a shepherd in each one of these points and how our Lord Jesus Christ is a master as our shepherd. The issue is followership. There's three things, if you're taking notes today in your bulletin, there's three things that will help us follow Jesus as our shepherd. And I'm going to give you these three very quickly, and then we're going to unwrap them. Number one, you need to know that Jesus is the good shepherd. You need to believe that Jesus is the good shepherd. A lot of people have been what I call de-churched. They just have decided they got blown out of church. They were offended. Um, they, they just are off by themselves now because they just, you know, either don't believe that Jesus is Lord or they've come to a place where they were, they decided not to follow him or they got offended in church and they got de-churched and they're off independently doing their own thing now. And they are not experiencing the green pastures, the still waters being led into right paths for his namesake. And it's because they have, they, they, they have forgotten that the Lord is the good shepherd and he will always lead you back to his flock. Jesus is never out here leading a shepherd all by himself and then he goes over and leads the whole flock over here and then leads this individual shepherd over here. A shepherd doesn't do that. A shepherd goes out and grabs his lone sheep and brings them back into the fold because there is such safety within the fold of a flock. And he leads the flock together. Now, trusting Jesus as the good shepherd means we trust that he has our best in mind. His whole heart, his whole soul, 
all was planning is around taking care of his sheep. A good shepherd does that. In fact, a good shepherd will spend all of his money, all of his time, all of his energy on making sure his sheep are well taken care of. Why is that? Listen, because the reputation of a shepherd is about the condition of his sheep. He's a good shepherd or he's not a good shepherd based on the satisfaction of his sheep. In fact, listen to this. The satisfaction, joy and contentment of a shepherd is equal to the satisfaction, joy and contentment of his sheep. Just as a parent to children, when a child is healthy and happy and content and at peace in life and they're respectable and they they are they, they follow the leader and they're good citizens in society and they contribute and they're wise. They choose good spouses and they're they're successful in life. How does it make you feel as a parent versus if they're a knucklehead and causing problems everywhere they go and rebellious and just butting people around everywhere they go and failing in life and and not able to maintain friendships or relationships or jobs and it brings grief to you. And what do people do when they see an unruly kid? What's one of the first thoughts they have? Come on, say it out loud. Where are their parents? Who are their parents? My mom, when we used to go grocery shopping, she had six kids by the time she was 24. She'd take us all grocery shopping. And you know what she would do eventually in the grocery store? She would leave us all in an aisle by ourselves and just go into a completely separate aisle and pretend like she does not even know who those kids are. I'm serious. She did that. And I don't blame her. We were nightmare kids. The Bible says that a foolish son or daughter brings grief to his mother. But a wise son brings glory to their parents. And so you see the condition of the sheep reflects on the good management of the shepherd. But Jesus isn't responsible for every sheep. Because some of the sheep just won't learn. I was reading Philip Keller and he said there was this one sheep. She was the best looking. I don't know how you know if sheep is good looking or not, but I'll leave that to I'll leave that to Philip and the other shepherds. But he says she was a good looking sheep. <laughs> Talking about its wool and its shape and all this. He's kind of getting into it. And I was like, this is getting a little spooky. But anyway, he said she was like the, the best looking sheep, the strongest sheep. And 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 uh and yet, she would always find a way to get out and around the fence. And down into the wacky weed. And I would have to go down and get her time and time again and bring her back in behind the fence. And he said, it would have been one thing if I had to keep over and over and over disciplining the sheep and getting that sheep back into the fold. But then, she started teaching the other sheep how to do it too. <laughs> and then all the little sheep would follow her because she was the strongest, the best looking the most powerful. There's a budding order in the sheepfolds. Who's going to rule and who's going to be the most powerful? And she had authority and dominion. All the other sheep were following her out and around. And they were getting into the wacky weed and the dirty water. There's parasites and, and, and they're getting diseases. And he's constantly having... So anyway, he finally had to do... He finally had to put the sheep down. The Bible says, cast out the scoffer and strife will cease. Sometimes there's an unruly sheep, an unruly child, an unruly church member. And you finally just have to say, you are destroying the community. And you're leading people astray. And so, again, that comes back to followership. We must believe he's the good shepherd. A shepherd will get up early in the morning, and the first thing a shepherd does is looks over his flock at every single sheep to make sure they are okay. The care and concern of a good shepherd. At nighttime, sleep with one eye open because the cougars and the wolves would come into the flock. He said many times he would sleep out in the folds with his rifle, awake all night long, watching over his sheep. This is the good shepherd. Now what does Jesus say about himself? This is about trust. Jesus says this in John chapter 10. It's going to come up here in a minute. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, which he did. The second thing we need to know is not only that Jesus is the good shepherd and to trust him, but is that we must know, 
that we are sheep. This is not a fear issue. This is a pride issue. We really, really believe we are all that and a bag of chips. And it just takes forever for the Lord to bring us to a place where we recognize I am a sheep. Now, listen, that is not a compliment. He doesn't mean for it to be an insult. It's an insight for us to understand that when Jesus, the good shepherd, says you are my sheep, he is saying you're the dumbest animal on the planet. Sheep, listen. It is not a compliment to be called a sheep. It's a fact. And we need to get this understanding and revelation so we understand how desperately we are in need of following a shepherd. Sheep are the dumbest animal. This is what uh, Philip Keller says, his descriptions, and he spent a lot of time with sheep. They have mob instincts like no other, uh, like, like, like no other uh, livestock. If one sheep starts going, ah, 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 the sky's falling, the sky's falling. All the other sheep go, really? Ah, ah, ah. And they all start running around. The sheep are just going crazy everywhere. If one sheep runs over a cliff, the rest will just follow that sheep. They really will. None of them, as they're watching the flock go over and disappear, do they stop and think and say, wait a minute. I just saw Uncle Fred disappear. And he... he in fact, I saw Aunt Sally, and in fact, my brother, and they're all disappearing. I should probably stop and analyze this situation. Like a horse would. Right up to the edge. The horse is like, you can go over, sucker. I'm not going over. The sheep. That's why Jesus said shepherds have a greater judgment. The way that I teach you, the way I care for you as an under-shepherd, I will be judged for by the great shepherd. What I teach you, is it truth or is it poison? How I care for you, love for you, counsel you. I'm going to be judged for that on Judgment Day. It's a sobering thing to be a teacher of the Bible and a shepherd of God's sheep. But you're going to be judged too on how your followership. Did you make John's job easier or harder? Oh yeah, that day's coming. Sheep, when they get on their back, cannot lift themselves back upright again. They need help. This is one of the hardest things about being an under-shepherd. Is because we don't recognize our nature as sheep, we are so independent in our mindset that we really think, oh, I can kick this addiction all by myself. I can get out of this financial situation all by myself. Even though I have not been a good steward of money for 37 years, I can handle it. I don't need to read a book on parenting. I am a parent. It's a humility factor. I mean, when a sheep turns over on its back, it's called casting. That It looks like this. And as they lay here on their back, the weight pushing down on them because the Bible, or the, 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 the shepherd says that what causes a sheep to go on its back many times is they, they, they get lazy and they stretch like this. And when they're lazy and they're too fat and they have too much wool, their body starts to turn because of the, because of the gravity and they end up like this. And there's so many like this financially, in their marriages, in their parenting. And you try to help them. Somebody come up here as a shepherd and just kind of try to turn me over. You try to come with a little bit of help. You need to go to a financial stewardship seminar. You need some parenting. Come on, I need a shepherd. A good shepherd. And you come up, shepherd tries to turn them over. And here's the difference between real sheep and human sheep. This is a barking sheep. I don't need any help. I don't need any help. I can do this all by myself. Oh. And that's how we do. That's... It happens all week long. 
between the hours of 8 and 5 and between the hours of 5 and 8. <laughs> trying to help God's sheep and they're stuck and their feet are sticking straight up in there and you try to help them and give them counsel and they just don't want to receive the instruction and the help of an under-shepherd and there's only so much you can do. And here's the problem. When a sheep ends up on its back like that, it's a matter of hours at most they will die. If not from... Uh, the poisons that begin to be released in their bodies from being in that position, but because predators, when they see a sheep cast like that, know they are completely helpless. Now, what's the attitude of a good shepherd? It is never discussed. The attitude of a good shepherd is the anxiousness and urgency to run and get that sheep flipped over as fast as possible. And that's what Jesus is trying to do with us, family. Get them flipped back over on their feet, rubbing their legs to get the circulation going again. Getting the Word of God and the Spirit of God, the life of God flowing back into the, and to get that sheep back in the fold as soon as possible where there's protection. I like this stage. I'll do this. I like this. And so we must come to a place where we understand that we really are sheep. It's a place of humility. Isn't that amazing? Here's David, the most feared warrior in the land. He killed Goliath, a lion, and a bear. They said Saul slayed his thousands, but David slayed his ten thousands. I mean, David was a mighty warrior, incredibly intelligent, an architect, a musician, incredibly skillful, the highest ranked man in the kingdom, the king. And he says, I am a sheep. The Lord is my shepherd. That's what made David a great man. That's why even when David went and got into the wacky weed a little bit, God still said he's a, he's a man after my own heart. Because he can repent real good and come right back into following me. Look at the Bible says, Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. Boy, is that a revelation that the education system and the secular world needs. He made us. We did not make ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. And then thirdly, and this is obviously the most important, is one is not only to believe that Jesus is the good shepherd, I love what David said. He's my shepherd. He could have said he's Israel's shepherd because he is the shepherd of Israel. And we can quote the scripture, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I like to quote it this way. God so loved John that he gave Jesus for me. You've got to be able to say that. David didn't say, the Lord, the shepherd of Israel. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me to lie down. You, you've got to personalize your relationship with the shepherd. Every shepherd, no matter how many sheep he has, some of them have like a couple thousand sheep, know every sheep individually. Know them. In fact, know them by name, and the sheep know their shepherd's voice. This is critical. And in fact, what the shepherd will do is every time when he gets new sheep, he, he uh, cuts their ear with a knife and gives a, a branding. This is when Jesus says, my sheep know my voice and they will follow me. The Bible says this in the book of Revelations. The spirit says, he that has an ear to hear let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Can you hear what the Lord is saying to you today? Are you his sheep? 
Are you hearing his voice in my voice today? Are you able to hear and see and recognize in these last two Sundays, the Lord is communicating to us. Please know that you are nothing more than a sheep and you're my sheep. Which means you need me, your shepherd. You need to follow me right now in all of my ways. And I will take you through this valley of the shadow of death. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. And I mean this as in a livestock sense. Sheep cannot take care of themselves. They require more meticulous care and attention than any other class of livestock. They get burrs and parasites and manure in their wool. I mean, it just, it just gets bigger and nastier and infestation. And it's just, it's just that they can't take care of themselves. They can't clean themselves. They won't even lie down. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. They cannot lie down unless they are completely free of all fear. They will not lie down if they are hungry. They will not lie down if there's discord in the flock. And they won't lie down if they're tormented by flies and parasites. Many of us as God's sheep are having a hard time sleeping these days. Having anxiety attacks, worry, fear, strife with one another. Maybe we're sleeping, but we're waking up all throughout the night. Maybe we're having to take drugs to help us. We need to be free of the fear and anxieties of the world. And what David is saying, the Holy Spirit is saying, is the Lord is your shepherd. He will cause you to lie down. We need to follow Him. This is the third point, that you must and I must choose to follow Him on a daily basis. And this is stubbornness versus teachability. Look what the Bible says. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. That is a shepherd talking to his sheep. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with bit and bridle, or else they will not come near you. I love what Psalm 85 says. Righteousness will go before him, that's God, and he will make his footsteps our pathway. I was out on the construction site taking a walk with my dog Oreo and my little four-year-old Lily a couple weeks ago, and it had rained a lot here in San Diego, and so there were a lot of ruts in the ground. And a lot of puddles and a lot of mess and nastiness. And she's following me and she's like, Daddy, there's, there's a lot, there's mud over there and there's water over there. And Daddy, Daddy. And I said, well, just, just follow me. I'll go into the places that are not so muddy. And my foot made a little bit of an imprint. And I said, just put your foot right in my footprints. And so I walked kind of put my feet not so far apart so that she could actually make it. And I look back and she's putting her foot right into my footprints. And then she would see something she wanted. She says, Daddy, look at that rock. I'm going to climb that rock. And she went off. And she says, Daddy, my foot's all muddy and it's wet now. And I said, that's because you did not follow Daddy's footprints. Lily, you got to follow my footprints. And this is the way sheep are. Philip Keller, the author of the book, said one time he was taking his sheep up into the mountains. By the way, when it says going through the valley of the shadow of death to a table... The mountaintop is called the table or the mesa in Africa as well as the Middle East. And so when David says he takes me through the valley of the shadow of death, he's taking him through this valley that shepherds take their sheep in the summertime to get them up to the mountaintops where you have summer grazing. Because down in the valley, it all dries up. You need to be up there in the mountaintops. And the, the traveling is treacherous. And it's dangerous. And the sheep really need to follow the shepherd through the valley of the shadow of death. To get to the place where there's grazing all summer long. That's what it means when he says that he prepares a table for me. A shepherd will go up to the mountaintop multiple times during the year to find the best spot. To find the best streams. To, 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 to get all the weeds out of and all the poisonous plants out of the mountaintop. So when the sheep go up there, they don't eat the wrong stuff. 
and they don't get lost and they have good grazing. A shepherd will prepare the way for his sheep. Total dedication. And he said he was taking the sheep up one time and they're up going over to the mountaintops. And as they're walking along, there's a snow laden stream with crisp, clean water going right down next to all the sheep. And he looked back and there's these couple of sheep that insisted on not drinking out of the cool stream that 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 uh, the mountains had provided. And the shepherd had provided by preparing the sheep for it. But they wanted to keep going in the same ruts that the last sheep had gone in. And if you keep going in the same ruts, it gets muddy and there's manure and there's urine and there's parasites. And they just kept drinking out of this, the same water that was just nasty water. And he had to keep going with his rod and his staff and get them out of that nasty water into the nice, clean, crisp water. And they wouldn't stop going back to the nasty water. Doesn't that sound like us? Going back to the same habit patterns. Going back and drinking out of the same nasty water sources that destroy our lives over and over and over again. And Jesus is calling us to follow him. I could obviously go on with all sorts of illustrations and metaphors, but I think you're getting the picture. But here's what I want to say primarily today is Jesus can be trusted. And to think about what these shepherds in the natural have given up to be able to provide these grazing grounds for us. Their time and their energy and the sleepless nights. You know, the Bible says he that watches over Israel does not sleep or slumber. Our God, our shepherd, does not sleep as he watches over us. And he whispers to us the directions that we should go. Shepherds have taken on cougars and lions and bears and wolves protecting their sheep and their flock. Sleepless nights. Jesus went through a lot more than that. Jesus, who is God, came down from heaven to be our shepherd, set aside his splendor, his position, his prerogatives. He exposed himself to ridicule, false accusations, rumors, gossip that he was a drunkard, a glutton and an imposter. This is God who to provide grazing grounds for us and clean, crisp water and to lead us through the valley of the shadow of death, to anoint our head with oil and ointment, for our cup to run over, to chase us with goodness and mercy, for him to be able to prepare those high summer grazing grounds for us as the people of God, it cost him his life. And daily it's costing him because he is watching over us, praying for us, Wooing us, leading us, calling us. He lost his reputation, experienced excruciating physical, emotional, and spiritual anguish and agony. And yet this is what the Bible says. In Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. You know, I think about, you know, think about the, the home environment. Here's a child who is rebellious, won't respect the father or the mother in the house, won't do what they say, constantly causing problems, hanging out with the wrong people, coming in past curfew, over and over and over again creating havoc. And then they come and ask for the keys of the car. And they want to be on your, your car insurance program. And they want all the privileges of your shepherding And yet they are an unruly, wool full of parasites, nastiness, manure kid. A goat. And yet they want the privileges and they say, oh yeah, that's my mom and that's my dad. Oh yes, the Lord is my shepherd. Why am I lacking? What's wrong with Christianity? The Lord's not coming through for me. And many times as as an under shepherd, I can sit back and look at a sheep's life. And I look in the mirror when I say this and say, you know what? I don't think that I don't think the Lord is the one 
who's being a bad shepherd in this situation. Your wool's kind of stinky. And you're leaving stuff all over the ground, everywhere you go. And you keep going into the wrong pastures and the wacky weed. And people are following you. They're following your example. And many times we just have to turn sheep over into the hands of the shepherd. Say, Lord, we've really tried. And I don't say that to be judgmental. It breaks my heart. My wife sees the sadness that happens to me. And I see it in Mark and my other leaders when sheep will not follow the instructions of the Lord. Let me tell you one of the main keys. Sheep need water and they need nourishment. And do you know the dew on the ground in the morning and the dew on the ground at night is enough to keep them healthy and flourishing. And that is a picture of the word of God and the presence of God through prayer. Listen, sheep of God, if you're not feeding on his word daily to nourish your spirit and your soul, you're eating the crabgrass of the world. It will never nourish you. If you're not in prayer, being alone with God, you will be filled with fear and anxiety like sheep. Do you know that when there is fear running through the flock and the sheep, even if there is a cougar or a wolf, as soon as the sheep see the shepherd, the whole flock just calms down. And peace goes through the whole flock because they see the shepherd. You've got to see the shepherd. He is with you, but do you know that? The only way you know that is if you spend time alone with him and he affirms to you, I'm with you, my child. You're reading in his word, I am with you, my child. You hear all the information coming over the news. Oh my gosh, it's depression and and deep darkness and anxiety. You're going to lose it all. And if you're not spending time alone with God, I am with you, my child. Reading his promises saying, I will provide for you, my child. There's no way you can have peace and solace in the midst of the valley of the shadow of death. And that I love what Peter says in his writings. 3,000 years after we read Isaiah saying, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've all gone, gone our own way. Here's what Peter writes and says. You were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. And that is my cry for you this morning, my family. Children of God. The sheep that I care about so deeply is that please, I beg you, listen to Jesus in these days. Follow his voice. Do what he says. Read the Bible and follow its instructions. The Bible says as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word whereby you will grow. The Word of God is your grass. The Spirit of God is your drink. We are the people of God. He is our shepherd. He is our nourishment. Amen? Amen. Before we receive the offering, I want to say something in testimony. I know... Many of you have lost your jobs and you're being laid off and it's desperate times. And when you hear testimony of what's happening good in somebody else's life, you can become an unruly sheep that starts to butt everybody else. Just know that the Lord is going to take care of you as well as what I'm about to share with you. The Lord said over our church is going to be prosperity this year. But here is the word of the Lord also. It's for those who are about his kingdom and following him. As the shepherd. Jesus said, if you put my kingdom first and my righteousness, I will add all these things to you. The Bible says that when we provide for the kingdom of God, my God shall provide all your needs according to his riches and glory. I say that to you because as your shepherd, under shepherd, small s, I want to say you can't just expect the promises and the provisions of God when we are not about him and his kingdom. But if you are, you can expect this. This brother that sent this to me this week has gone through... Eight months of hell. And so I'm not saying it all happens in the morning, but I know that he is all about the kingdom of God. Listen to this. 
to give you an idea of how good it is going right now and how bad it has been for the last eight months prior. I have had more sales in the last six weeks than I did in the last eight months. This just came to me last week. I have recruited the best people I've ever come across in my business career with some potential heavyweights in the last few weeks that had the potential to really open up the doors a huge volume across the country and even internationally. The instant connection and favor that God has given me with these high-level people is nothing short of amazing. I'm not going to read all the details because I want to keep it a bit general. I'm spending less time working, doing less in hand and hand-holding, and more time doing productive money-making business with building with these key people. I also have another deal that has resurfaced that could allow me to work with the largest uh, company in this particular industry, over 2,000 stores across the nation. My goal this month is to have the best month I've ever had in my three years. And at this point, I'm on track to do that. The best part of the story is I absolutely know that the results are completely from God because I'm advertising about 50 to 75% less than I was, working less hours, and the economy has gotten worse, yet my numbers have exponentially grown. Stay tuned for the next rest of the story. Now, I know this brother. Last year, he came to the end of himself. He found himself being a control freak, self-sufficient, trying to keep his image up, trying to keep everything floating. He finally just completely realized, I am a sheep and the Lord is my shepherd and my source. And it didn't get better overnight, but I saw him go through this transformation of self-sufficiency to God-sufficiency. And so when I see that testimony in the year where God says prosperity, I know it's for those who will completely yield to him. Chris is another one. He just said to me today, I just got a promotion at work. Yeah. What's kind of funny is how it happened is that many of this year when you're talking about. Well, come on up here real quick because I'm out of time. And we still need and we need to receive the offering. So I'm going to I'm going to uh, let uh, I'm going to have uh, Gary come up. And receive the offering and close out uh, the service. I want you to. Um, it's kind of about tithing. I didn't expect to do this, but now that we're doing it. Um, in the beginning of this year, I kind of. Hang on a second. There we go. Um, in the beginning of this year, I kind of restarted things with God, saying this was going to be the year that I stepped out more. I wasn't going to miss Sundays at church for sleep because I work. I'm not going to make excuses. I'm going to do everything I can to get closer to him. And one of the things I did was tithing this year. Um, I tithed all my life, but last year I noticed I slacked off towards the end because of fear. And uh, it came one day when I was in my bedroom looking at everything I owned in my car, and I was like, you know what, God, there's no excuse not to give you what you, I have. And so um, I made a commitment this year that every Sunday I was going to give. Whether I was at church or not, he was going to get it because the kingdom doesn't stop. And what was so funny is after I made this commitment, I got the offer to do a system manager program at work. And uh, it's a huge pay raise, and I just thought it was so funny because... I wasn't guaranteed it yet. I still had to go through a huge uh, basis on this. And uh, I just think it's funny because I kept saying, you know what, Lord, it doesn't matter. I'm going to keep tithing. Whether I get it or not, I'm going to stay positive, And I got it. So. Good job, Chris. Amen. Amen. Uh, if the ushers would come forward, we'll receive the offering uh, this morning. And um, as, we, as we pray for this offering... The Lord was, was speaking to me before the service about uh, really being available and being thirsty and coming to him to drink. And that's we sung about that, and then that's what John taught on. We need to be available and come to receive from the Lord. And that's what we want to do now as we're, receive, as we're giving the offering. We want to come into a place of receiving. So, Lord, I pray over this offering now, and as we give to you, we are giving... Uh, because we know that it's what you've asked us to do, you've told us to do. We know we're being in obedience as we move in that. But God, we're also giving with a spirit of faith. And we, we're giving because we want to position ourselves as good sheep, following your voice, hearing your voice, so that we can then receive from you the good shepherd. 
So, Lord, I pray a blessing over this offering today. Use it to further your, your gospel. Use it to advance the kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, and as we're receiving the offering, um, Shell wants to come and, and share a little bit about the uh, Ensenada, uh, Mexico trip. Thanks, Gary. I'd like our Mexico team to stand up. Cynthia, um, just wave your hands even. Maru, yeah, this is a fantastic team. Pascal, thank you guys. Thank you. Um, this team will be going to Ensenada on March 28th, and there's details on the information table with you. Next week is the last week you can bring uh, shoes, new or gently used, clothes, new or gently used, and non-perishable food. If you have any questions at all, please ask one of the Mexico team members. And we're also looking for more people to join the team. It's an exciting trip. And, yes, as we have heard in the news lately, there's some um, violence. Uh, But if the Lord is calling you to go, uh, we will be praying for you. What I'd like to do uh, today is see if we have a volunteer that would lead a prayer chain for that day. Uh, we're not going to be gathering to pray, but we will be um, sending emails and um, committing to pray for these next uh, few weeks up until the trip. Do we have any volunteers for a prayer chain leader? Yes, Heather, thank you very much. Was that, a, was that one of those bids you didn't mean to make? Okay. Yeah, Heather, thank you so much. So um, what you'll do is if you want to be on that prayer team and get some emails, uh, then talk to Heather or one of the Mexico teams. And really, folks, um, this is an exciting time. Many of us met Mario and his wife Esther when they were here at the beginning of March, and they shared about salvations and amazing turnaround in um, the church down in Ensenada. So this is a fantastic opportunity. Uh, and please, if we could all just join in prayer right now for the team and our sister church in Tijuana and all throughout there. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our shepherd and the privilege of partnering with you to tell people about you to lead people to a saving relationship with you, that they can walk with you daily. So, Father, we embrace this team that's going down, and we ask that you lead others to join the team, to bring supplies for this much impoverished area. In your strong name, we stand firm, knowing that you've called us and you've created us for such a time as this. Amen. 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 And uh, we, uh, one other thing I wanted to, to mention is there's a sign-up for the 301 class, which is going to be this next Saturday from 10 to 2. This is Discovering Your Spiritual Gifts. And if you have not been in this class, it's really an important class. It's a neat way to, to really learn how to be the sheep that God has called you to be and to be walking in those gifts. So the, it's really important that you sign up today. So we've got a good count. It'll be from 10 to 2. It's going to be uh, uh, the Williams. Phil and Christine are going to be hosting it. It'll be There will be lunch and child care provided, so please sign up for that. Mark. I'm going to close the service. Uh, Pastor John is at the back, and he would like to greet and spend a little time with uh, any new people that are here today. We're really glad you are, and he's available for that. Um, this sermon today raises a question. If you are here and Jesus is not your shepherd, then he needs to be. And you need to come to him and admit who you are as a sheep and enter into that relationship, shepherd and sheep. Now, We could do that for a whole variety of reasons. We could come to him because the economic times are bad. We could come to him because we're not sleeping at night. We could come to him for a whole lot of worries. Those are good reasons to come to him. But there's one reason that's beyond all that, and that he is, in fact, the good shepherd. And we don't come to him for what we can receive, although we end up receiving everything that he has to give. We come to him because of who he is. Because he is good, and we have figured out, I need him in my life. But most of what often motivates us to come to the Lord is our need. So we see him as 
the problem solver for my life. When we make decisions to come to him and, quote, accept Jesus as the problem solver of our life, we never come in to the complete relationship of what it is to be his. Because when we come to him to be his, we become his. We become change in his pocket. And he can spend that change any way he wants. It's really about the kingdom of God, not about the kingdom of me and how he serves me, but how I end up knowing him and I give my life to him when he gives his life to me. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's a lordship issue. It's who's going to end up being the boss. So I don't ever want to do an invitation to come to him that's based on this is all the stuff he's going to do for you. Why don't you get him into your life and he'll become like that perfect scarf, that perfect scarf in an otherwise almost perfect outfit. Do you understand? He's not the perfect accessory for your life. He is your life. So when you come to him, it's a serious transaction. It's a serious transaction. All right? Sometimes I think it would be better to think about it for a few weeks before you do it. Do you really want to? But if you do, and you're here today after that horrible disclaimer and all that negativity about being a Christian, if you're here today and you want to know him, and you want to have him as the good shepherd of your life, and you're willing to follow him to your best efforts, then I'd like you to come forward after the service, and I want to introduce you to the best shepherd, the best friend, the best God, the best source of peace in the universe. Okay? So if you're ready to do that, you come forward and I want to introduce you to Jesus, the Good Shepherd, today. The rest of you, get out of here. Go on, go graze. <laughs>